Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, co-hosting, as always, we've got James Maxwell, Ty Lee. Guys, we are back from the bye week. Um, a week without football. Yeah, I feel like we had like this, you know, real big peak with OU Texas. And, you know, it was kind of nice to like reset. It's like it feels like an intermission. Get to recharge your, your battery a little bit. Uh, but I am ready to get back into what has been a thrilling season. Um, so, yeah, guys, how did you enjoy your bye week? Did y'all have a good time? I felt empty inside. I This was not a fun time to recharge my battery. I needed something. Like, on watching the games yesterday, there was nothing to look forward to. I understand we had really good football, but it's just that, that weird feeling in my chest that I didn't have from watching OU football. I needed that. Ty? I thought it was kind of nice. Uh, where I'm living at, I have uh, sort of the noon game start at 9 for me, so it is. <laughs> that's not an early morning, but but obviously that sort of blocks out uh, getting to do some other morning activities, which is when the weather's nice. So I, I enjoyed I also had a week off of my other sport, my other big sport being Formula One. So uh, it was a nice little relaxation. Everything aligned. And yeah, I didn't really watch the one football game, I think. And that was the Oregon Washington. And that was a, a tremendous game. And yeah, so I enjoyed it. I don't know. James is yeah. not built for bye weeks, but I, I, I get that. I feel like everyone just kind of shoved everything into this bye week where we had just a bunch of events. We were running around just doing a whole bunch of stuff. And look, on one end, it was nice to not have to do football for a week. But on the other end, I had to do chores. I had to do, you know, errands. Anybody oh, know? chores and errands. I went to it's Ace like Hardware. Do you know how to... I had to go to Ace Hardware. It was heartbreaking. And... Do you like not do chores and errands on times that there's football? Oh, well, no, I mean, you know, I'm usually at a ball game on Saturday, so it was like, oh, well, this is weird, but that is, usually, that's usually a Sunday item for me. That is uh, the most disgustingly millennial clippable segment. Uh, <laughs> it was a terrible weekend because you had to go to Ace Hardware. Oh, My it was actually goodness, not that bad. I'm just... Thank goodness we're, we're playing UCF and they don't have any any uh you know real men over there so but the funny thing is we're gonna rejoin um our tier maker that ty and i did from the preseason see how things have changed and a famous comment from that video is two zoomers one what was it what i gotta pull it up now because i completely forgot oh yeah so, two zoomers, one video i can't on that. relate to so essentially we are just doing the same thing over again right but this time you know with the knowledge of half of a season of football <laughs> And now I'm in it. So, you know, we're going to throw a little bit of bad takes into that mix uh, that mm -hmm. surely won't end poorly uh, or like age poorly by the end of it. Uh, oh, it was just Jameson and I when we did yes. this, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, pull I'm pulling up the exact comment. Florida. Yeah, the, it's an alternate video title. Two Zoomers, one pod, zero mutual interest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, in my defense, I do. I, I get to be the wild card when there's three of us. I had to take a more reserved, muted tone with Jameson uh, when we were breaking it down. I had to be the another adult in the room. So, unfortunately, I was not able to go in on people as I would have liked to in the preseason tier maker. Yeah, oh, man, that's fair. Right. Well, so yeah, in, in case you caught that from you caught that from Jameson, but we are, uh, as there is no game to recap, we oh. are going to kind of recap the first half of the season by breaking down tier groups, re revisiting that from uh, this off season, and uh, yeah, let's let's just go ahead and dive into that, Jameson. Uh, we will talk about UCF later. Uh, we notoriously don't do very 
very in-depth previews. So uh, we'll do the standard one, just not enough to fill. I think show. we'll talk about John Rice Plumley for about at least 15 minutes though. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, well, of course that will happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, James, so let's get the, let's get that pulled up here. It's, it's shared. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. So we have our tiers. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the tier system or, well, I guess listening on podcast, uh, we're essentially going to rank all of the position groups into these five tiers. Uh, D, obviously last, C, B, A, and then S, which is like next level special type stuff. Um, so Jameson, what did y'all, what did y'all do last time out? What, what, what was the, where did we have everything standing in May? Yeah, so obviously if you're watching on YouTube right now, graphic design is one of my passions um, because this tier is not the prettiest thing. But I feel like Ty and I made a pretty decent list for what we were thinking of at that time. So we did not have anyone in S tier. We're still obviously not trying to be too goonerish, but we had the safeties as the only team as an, uh, the only position group as an A. Um, We were obviously very high on them. For the Bs, we have linebackers, quarterback, defensive line, cornerbacks, running backs and tight ends in the C we had offensive line and wide receivers and no one at the D. So it's going to be really interesting because there's going to be some things that stand pat, but I think that there's a couple here that might take a big dip question. Y'all, mark? y'all really went out on a limb there with a lot of these. But. Well, well, I told you, but putting... Bobby, I told you, I didn't get to, you know, wasn't up to me. We didn't get to. Oh, so I acting like that. He's the victim here. Look at this. The B tight ends. I fought hard for that not to be a B. I wanted to put them at an A. Y'all had three. Y'all had three of them that weren't hey, right in the middle. Totally three what? categories. So let's obviously let's shake it up a bit. Obviously, it's apples to oranges. But our tight ends have put up stats that are comparable in the scoring to Drake May, who you guys think is an amazing quarterback. So I don't want to hear. I, okay, let's just dive right into this. This feels like a segment. Let's get let's rip off the bandaid. Get right into it. Tight ends are like a D. Yes, yes, there's no doubt about it. T- Throw tight ends all the way to a D. Come on, the Ty. tight end room. No, has no, tight ends are a D. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it's you. Just, the way that the way that football is right now, like you said, I mean, you see it with Kelsey and the tight or Kelsey and the Titans, <laughs> Kelsey and the Chiefs, um, especially is the big one. But I mean, go back to even Brady Gronk was kind of a different era of football. But tight ends are, are super super important. Um, to the game and to, to really successful teams. I mean, you saw Texas, if they didn't have that one tight end, you're talking about a completely different Red River game. So I think you can very realistically say that while our tight ends have performed well, I've been a champion of our tight end room. Um, they're just not up to where we sort of need them to be uh, for the ceiling of this team. I don't think they performed well. I, I will I will push that back. I think that they've just been present. I, I'm, I'm not going to say they've done poor. They've just been present, and we have not really engaged them much in this offense, even though they play a lot. Now, I'll continue just to say this over and over for the rest of the season. I understand why the like Austin Stogner gets a lot of snaps. With the tempo that we play, we want to have him out there as a utility Swiss Army knife to where he can be an extra blocker or he can be an extra receiver to where if the defense can't sub, that makes it really difficult for them to guard. So I understand why it's there. It's just I really wish that we had a guy that was a little bit more versatile in the passing attack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sorry, Bobby. You, can go. Ty, you got it. You got it. I was just going to say, I mean, it's like, it, it's what you're talking about, James. And it's, they're that ultimate tool to have out there, especially if you're going to run 
um, pace, but ultimately, you know, like you're talking about, it's, it's another roster spot on the field that maybe could go to, to more of a playmaker. I almost see it like insurance, you know, you don't actually need it. It's just, everyone wants to convince you that you do. Yeah. And I, I think partially some of this is because like this ranking is because of how good the Titans had been in the past and have having them be utilized as an impact position and, I mean, I can't rem- I can't think of a tight end room at OU that has been this this poor. Um, it's hard. It's hard to find. Think of a year that it's it's been at this degree. Um, but I think I think a lot of that's personnel. Um, we would be so screwed without Austin Stogner transferring back, and even then, he hasn't really you know shined. He hasn't been remarkable since his staff infection. Let's just be frank, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. But just just if we're being completely honest about the situation he has not been the same player since that uh he wasn't mm-hmm. at south carolina he wasn't at ou um and anyways uh, it's, it's a bummer but I, I feel like we're i feel like we're getting a little bit of help yeah next year with this with the uh davion mitchell right yeah that, that's the goal obviously you've got people in the pipeline hopefully to kind of you know push things along but also davion mitchell he is like a class up than where he's supposed to be so don't expect a huge change immediately it's still going to take a little bit Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, um, Stogner had a staff infection, like the medical thing. Uh, he wasn't like an infection to the staff like Levy. Yep. Uh, just wanted to clarify that. I want to say it was strep, actually. That's right. Um, That's right. It was, it was oh, yeah, he had like, traveled down to his lab, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because, yeah, primarily you'd think staff is going to be the biggest one that causes the condition that he had, but actually strep did it, which... It's kind of interesting, but let's move on. Tight ends, we shouldn't be talking that much about, or else we're going to have like a two-hour podcast. I say we move on into a position group that I think we could bump up to a level, and I feel like it's a really easy um, position mm. to talk about. Where do you put Dylan Gabriel in this quarterback room? I used to, obviously not a B. It's I think that we are going to talk between S and A. There are people out there right now talking about Dylan Gabriel as, you know, top three, top two Heisman candidate after what he did versus Texas. I'm not sure if I'm right there, but he's he's knocking on the door of that. He's had his Heisman moment, and only Michael Penix has really had his Heisman moment compared to everyone else in the country right now. So if you're comparing, because this is a tier where it's like S, there has to be people on S in college football because it's obviously kind of like a percentile. It's like a bell curve. Right. I think you've got to have a conversation of putting Dylan Gabriel on the S, but what's what we know as OU fans and what some of his weaknesses are, it makes me want to put him at an A. I I have the I have the quarterback room at an, at an S. Um, not just because of how great Dylan Gabriel has been, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, but because behind him you have Jackson Arnold. So if Dylan Gabriel got injured, God forbid, you have a really solid uh, quarterback ready to take you know, take that position and I think be pretty good. We, we've seen, you know, moments, flashes of him uh, actually throwing the ball and not being used as a battering ram. But when we've seen him, he looks, he looks really good. So to me, not only do you have a guy who is in the conversation at least to get to New York, uh, but you also have a backup that I think is capable of running this team. Probably not as good as Gabriel just due to experience right now, but if I don't think we'd be as screwed as we would have been last year because we have Jackson Arnold in that room. Uh, and I think that's as good of a situation quarterback room wise, as we've seen between a one and a two. Uh, I, I, I guess genuinely since 
Well, I guess Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, but yeah, you know. since the last quarterback room, since, since two years ago, <laughs> yeah, but still, it's it, it's still like not a common scenario. Uh, but yeah, look, here's the thing: it, it is unequivocally S tier, even not factoring in uh, Jackson Arnold. I, I think Dylan Gabriel again. It, here's my piece with him that I've been saying for the past couple of weeks: he is as close to perfect as you can expect when you employ him within his talent set. And here's the inverse of that. Pick any player. I don't care who it is, what position group. If you try to use them outside of their talent set, they're not going to be good. I think at this point, you can have your qualms with Dylan Gabriel. You can say, oh, maybe he's not that great of a deep threat, although we seem to have been able to mitigate that and and employ him deep uh, when needed and, and really figure that out as of late. But I think any argument you make towards Dylan Gabriel just doesn't hold up, in my opinion. When you put him in a situation where he can succeed and where his skill set matches up, he is so, so good. Look at that throw that won the Red River game. He was in a tight. That was a big boy, big time throw to be under that amount of pressure, pocket collapsing, keeping your Mm -hmm. eyes down the field, under pressure. He plays well under pressure now. He has really stepped in himself. I think... Realistically, he's currently, I'm looking at the bet MGM Heisman odds. He's third right now. And I think arguably he should be second, right? You make your argument for, for Michael Penix Jr. I think that's a very, very good argument for number one. He's got JJ McCarthy ahead of him, which I think that's might gross. be some branding. But Dylan Gabriel's at third. Right behind him is Jordan Travis. I think that's a pretty big talent gap and uh, and stack gap between Jordan Travis and then Dylan Gabriel. And then rounding out the top five, you have Jaden Daniels, who... You know, I'm not going to say he's maybe a bum. He's just a stat machine. That's all it is. Yeah, and then you have Drake May down there who's not even a stat machine. So I don't really know if you can make an argument that he can't be in the top three of the Heisman odds as of right now. He passes the eye test. He passes the stats test. You can make whatever arguments, but I think he is unequivocally in the S tier. And then, yeah, Jackson Arnold, the icing on that cake. Yeah, I I mean, I was a little bit hesitant, but – you know, S doesn't have to be like the 99th percentile. He, You can have weaknesses as an S tier, and he does, but he's done absolutely amazing this year, and he's turned the tide of one of the biggest haters of him, of Dylan Gabriel into saying he's an S tier. I'm, not, I'm conv- not a Dylan Gabriel hater. Oh, right? come a, on, no, man. You just had your moment. Results. Your love is directly proportional to the results that you put out on the field. Like, that's it. You know, I all turn into the biggest, you know, Whoever I used to love Dak at one point. Now I know he's the world's biggest bum. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. Is it, results are all that matters. So Dylan Gabriel producing results. I'm his biggest fan. Okay, yeah. that's fair. What? Okay, so let's let's do let's go over to the defensive side so we can kind of just go around and not stick on the offense. How about we talk about the defensive line room? Um, I'll go ahead and just start on this since I'm kind of coordinating this uh defensive line at first had some of the same weaknesses that i was worried in um but whenever we're tying that we're talking in the preseason we had optimism that this like outside pass rush and the inability to get to go to the quarterback without blitzing could be fixed with guys you know from the transfer portal say like you know trace ford we thought was going to be a really big deal bothroy we thought was going to be a really big deal i feel like they haven't like superseded my expectations from the preseason, but I've been pretty happy. And right now, 
I would, if there was, I'm, I'm not ready to put them at an A, but I think that B is a very, very solid position for them to stay at because they do still have some deficiencies on the outside. But Ethan Downs showed a lot in that Texas game to make me really feel good about this defensive end group. I, I'm going to keep them at the B. I'm not going to overhype it too much because there are still some things to worry about um, from the first couple games of the season. Yeah, no, I, I think they were a unit that was teetering on that was kind of C, kind of B before Texas. I think they're a firm B after Texas um, just because I, I think that was one of our biggest surprises of that game was how well they performed, how much pressure they put on that, you know, pretty solid Texas O-line. Uh, Ethan Downs out of nowhere, you know, just looked like a dang beast. If they continue that, I would say they're an A. Like by the time the season ends, we might be talking about them as an A type of group uh, if they continue this momentum. But um, overall, just with what we've seen, you know, full, you know, uh, full body of work, I, I have them at a, I have, I have them staying at a B. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. A-level performance last weekend, obviously, I think, obviously the toughest opponent that they've played and arguably their best performance. But I don't think we can take a, you know, a single data point as indicative of, of where they're at necessarily. Although I think, like we touched on, plenty, plenty of room and they are certainly trending towards A. Yeah, I think so. I think B is a pretty solid group for them, um, but they have a higher ceiling. I, I think that's what it comes down to. Obviously, yeah. they have a little bit of a floor. Are we overhyping them right now after this Texas game? Um, to be determined, I feel like that's a really big position group that I'm going to be looking at for the rest of the season. Uh, let's stay on the defense side uh, of everything. Let's talk linebackers, because I think this can be a really interesting question. Because Danny Stutzman, the way he's playing, obviously he can be one of the best inside linebackers in college football right now. And there's been a lot of people talking about that. The way he's played, the way he's progressed as a leader, maturity, and also you know not overextending himself at the middle linebacker position has been a huge, huge deal for us. Just him alone is an S. I understand Jaron Kanika showed us some things, and obviously that was Bobby's defensive game ball last week, but still there's some learning things that he's going through right now. He's a sophomore. He's a true sophomore. So obviously he's going to have some times like where he's not going to look perfect. But I think that we'd be remiss just by the way that Danny Stutzman is playing. There's no doubt in my mind that he's an S. And if the rest of the linebacking group is a B, that, that evens out to an A in my mind. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know I you're high, you're higher you're higher than Canning. You're higher than Canning. <laughs> I like Canning a lot. I think I, like I feel, I feel like Canning just <laughs> does a lot of things that he just his his assignments sometimes kind of fall through. No, I, I get that, and I think that's due to youth. But I, I just overall like the the general vibe of him. Uh, obviously, Setsman is like a butt kiss. He's playing at a butt kiss level right now. I don't know if he'll win it, but he he is absolutely on that tier of just S. I, I think Kip Lewis has been solid at times. Uh, I think Kanick has been pretty good. It, it, it's I I would be I'd be willing to concede an A because I, I don't think it's as thorough. Uh, Give your grade. Ty, Ty yeah, is going to be I, breaking ties here. I'm trending. I'm going to, I'm going to go S I'm going to go S um, just because I think Danny Stutzman is just as important 
And also, where are we putting Deshaun McCullough? Where, where, where does Cheetah fall into? Uh, I, know, I put I put is that him a D into line or a linebacker. We, we put him into the linebackers last time. Which okay, I failed, then, I failed to talk about him. Then I think McCullough, in my opinion, I feel like turns the tide on that one. I thought he was he he was a little bit weak coming on. You know, obviously Justin Harrington starting over him, but mm. that get, that performance against Texas was remarkable. Um, so I think McCullough is is definitely a game changer. Very solid player as well. I, I'm going to go S with the linebackers. I think they're that good. Um, I don't, I don't, I think there might be three position groups that have an S in my mind right now. And linebackers mm. are one of them. That's, mm. that's really, really interesting. What do you think live studio audience? Should I, should I be realistic about who we've played and put the linebackers at C because Quinn Ewers is an absolute bum? Oh, uh, no, <laughs> here's, here's my thing, oh, right? God. Ignoring the, ignoring the, outside you know the flyer data point that is Danny Stutzman I think this room as a whole if we go back to you know at this point now we're just using well to podcast but at this point we're, we're sort of using our own takes to justify our own takes but you know we kind of established that the D-line was more or less on the defensive side right on the edge of BNA and if I'm looking at at the D-line as a marker between BNA I absolutely have to go A with the linebackers as a group, even ignoring Danny Stutzman, the linebackers as a group, I think are a level above where the D line is at in terms of, of what they've been doing season to date, whole body of work. So I'm pretty comfortable with an A. I mean, we can split hairs on where they are in that A. I think S might be a little extreme, but I don't think it's an absurd argument. Uh, but I, I'm going to have to go A for the linebackers from for my vote. I think that's yeah. fair. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I get it. I get it. The whole McCullough thing, I, I, since I didn't talk enough about it whenever I kind of had my talking head, he was very good versus Texas. Um, but also, you know, he was hurt in the beginning of the year for a couple games. And also sometimes we show, he showed some weaknesses in his ability to turn his hips and kind of play in coverage. Unlike, you know, Justin Harrington showed some things in coverage. Yeah. So obviously there, there's some, there's some mm-hmm. weaknesses in his game. And in terms of S, I only do, I don't want too many weaknesses. So I I just I'm just not there yet from the whole linebacking position group. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So Jameson, uh, last time out, y'all had uh, the safeties as an A. Do you still have them mm-hmm. in an A? Yeah, um, I don't. I think that they've been an S. Billy Bowman, I feel is like taking mm-hmm. up a huge, huge step now. Reggie Pearson, I, I, I feel like he wasn't exactly what I thought he was, but he's still very competent. But Billy Bowman, I feel like has been such a good player. He's been so, so good this year, and obviously he's been getting a lot of turnover. He's been making big hits. He's just an overall playmaker. And then Peyton Bowen is what he's was advertised and more. Um, the guy is just coming on and becoming a huge force that we can't keep off the field. Um, and then Key Lawrence is just a such a point of stability for us. He's done awesome this year. This is, you know, the position group that we said in the preseason. That was our best position group. And I'm going to stand by that and saying that it still is. I, I think it's an S. I mean, they've been just remarkable. Um, I, 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 think, I think I was trending A. But overall, say, I mean, yeah, I, I need to stop. I, trying, no, I, Bobby, I keep changing Bobby's mind. No, no, I was that was a very convincing speech. And I, I you know, it's one of those things where safety play, you know, they, I, don't, I don't think they've been. I mean, they have they've been playmakers. It, I, I think this is where the bye week has gotten to me because I think I've forgotten how good the safeties are for a moment. 
because Bowman has been just remarkable. Peyton Bowen is looking like a damn star. He's looking like, I mean, one of the He's best players a first on the round team pick at that if age. He keeps it up. He, have you other defensively? When was the last time you saw a freshman this good at any position for OU? And don't say Buki because we all know that's just that's <laughs> definitely, Bo- Bobby definitely not Buki. Bobby said that he was going to be an All-American his freshman year. Did I, uh, look? I looked into the crystal ball and I saw Peyton Bowen and not Buki. <laughs> did did dear friend of the pod and best OU defensive player of all time Zach Sanchez? Did he play as a freshman? I don't recall. That would have been. I'll take the hat to him. I'll say. Don't remember. It's been well, since Zach like maybe Jordan, maybe, maybe Jordan Jaden Davis played really good as a freshman, I recall, but obviously not as good not as level, yeah. but he still I think um Jordan Thomas also played good as a freshman, if I recall. There was kind of stint where our like the Kerry Cooks defensive backs would do really, really well as a freshman, and then they do a little bit worse as a sophomore, and then at their junior year they'd just be atrocious. Like yeah. it was kind of a very weird era. Um, but yeah, no, no one to the level of talent and performance like Peyton's been playing. Yeah, it's that it's that blend. Like like meeting that level of talent and performance together, it's just he's been remarkable. Yeah, I got the safeties as an S. Um, I I'm fully on board with that, honestly. Yeah, my my sort of sorting points. What I'm looking at is sort of my left and right lateral limits for for the S or I guess top and bottom vertical limits, the way that we have this oriented in the video is, you know, national award level, national championship level, or high in the NFL um, draft level. And and I think that the safeties are good enough to be a piece that you could plug into a national championship level team. And they would not necessarily be a liability. Y'all just touched on maybe some of the projected drafts as well. And then obviously national awards are, a little bit farther down the line, but I don't think it would be absurd. I, I don't think we have anyone necessarily that would be a favorite, but I don't think it, you would have to make an absurd argument. So I am comfortable putting the safeties um, in the S tier. I will argue that if we were to stack the S tier, they are not to the level that Dylan Gabriel is. But yeah, absolutely, I think we can make an argument for S tier. If you had to rank OU's best players, I mean, they wouldn't have. So, like, I think, you know, our best overall player, I think, is Danny Stutzman, the way he's playing. I think he's number one best player on our team. And then you'd say, like, Dylan Gabriel is probably number two. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think, like, we our safeties are our best, like, top three or four players. But the amount of depth we have at that position, just and how much talent is with that depth, is just all of those players are super, super good to mm-hmm. where it just makes that position group so strong. There's just not a lot of weaknesses there to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, yeah. though. I, I think Stutzman is the best player on this team. Mm-hmm. He's, he's clearly the heartbeat of the team. If you've watched that video that OU put out, um, a little, you know, you know, that little hype video that, you know, kind of mini documentary of OU Texas, you know, his his speech, you know, what, what, what I mean, what was the line? Uh, Oklahoma only fears God, but Texas fears Oklahoma. Like yeah. banger of a line. Um, he he's he's clearly he clearly has a locker room, you know, under you know under his influence in a way, and I, I think that's that adds to it in a way as well. Yeah. Hey, Ty, what what position group do you want to talk about? Let's flip. Let's flip the script here, so I don't keep going first. Yeah, sounds good. Goodness, I mean, I, I think I think there's one that's maybe a glaring example 
of possibly our coldest take, um, one that I think there might be some arguments for the S tier maybe uh, coming up. But I think I think a little tease on that one. Let's pass it. I would like to jump into – I want to switch it up a little bit. I'd like to jump into the O-line. I think that's going to be okay. an interesting discussion. All right. No, so give us your take. What do you think about the O-line? I think that the O-line should get moved a little bit up. I, I'm not sure how you guys are feeling on it, but it, we make the arguments about you know how great is this O-line in terms of run protection. I mean, it's well, this is going to be a great segue, I guess, as we end this. We, we may have to go into running backs here because uh, I think we have some movement in the running backs. But I, I don't know that I really have a whole lot of qualms with the O-line. I really like what I've seen from them. I might be even – a little higher than uh, than you and, and Bobby Jamison. I know I'm probably a little higher than you are. Not a whole lot of penalties coming from them. Not a whole lot of mistakes, especially in big games. Obviously, we've had some snap issues here and there, but I think they have done a very, very good job at protecting Gabriel enough for him to be able to perform comfortably. And I think we have to move the O-line up at least to a B. I personally would make an argument for the A. And my Ooh. argument for that would be, my argument for that would be, is that OU is used to very, very, very good O-lines. And I think if you were to grade every O-line in college football and sort of tier them out and, and gave the top 10, 15% an A, I think you could give OU an A by that grading system. So obviously I've made up my own grading system to justify this take, but I'm going to have to go. I think I'll be the highest. I'll give the O-line an A. Wow. wow. Bobby, you that's pretty. That's pretty high praise. Um, I, it, it's a hard one to grade for me because there are some points that are stronger than others. Like, um, for example, I think Walter Rouse has been incredible, um, but Xavier Bird, bit of a disappointment. Um, for that, Wait, I kind of think. Did, like, what's that? I don't even know. I don't even know where he is at this point. Yeah. No. He. It's. It's. It's not great. Um, I. I think. I'm thinking maybe a bump to B just because I don't think they're actively bad, but I don't think they're very good either. Um, they're, they're inconsistent and it's, it's, it's such a tricky group to grade because they're, they're holes. Uh, and you know, on one end, you know, the Cade Mattire, you know, not, not done for the year. Apparently I, uh, big gaff last week. I apologize for that one to, uh, anyone who, uh, heard that McCade is okay. He is not, he, he should uh, return this season. Um, but Do we know a diagnosis, Bobby. Have you heard anything about that? Cause I haven't seen anything yet. All, all I've heard is, you know, Brent Venables mentioning it in his press conference that it's like, he's, he's going to be, he's, he's going to be back sooner rather than later and we'll be okay. I, that is crazy. Cause they had him in I an know. air cast. Like that means like he, the medical staff was very for sure that he like, broke something yeah it's, so, it's nuts but no I, 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 I apparently he's fine it's one of those weird miracle things that it's like oh i guess he's okay um i think i saw something somewhere about you know it might have been a re-aggravation of an injury he had prior or just i, I don't know how that, how that works honestly okay. so i'm just gonna shut up about it uh going forward um but yeah he that helps but overall it's just been inconsistent um not not the best bean bow unit, not the worst. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's the definition of like a B. Yeah. So 
my my take i i didn't know about this about matire i guess i really didn't buy too much in pod i mean not podcast into a press conference i almost just said i almost don't buy into podcast talk as we're talking on a podcast <laughs> uh, um but uh but, i've seen it from the inside <laughs> but it's just like in terms of comparing like what college coaches say about injuries in nfl like college coaches can hide so much and they can say whatever they want to and it's just so hard to actually figure out what people's injuries are in college so I would really, really like to know what's going on because I just can't. If he broke something, he's just there's no sooner rather than later speech. So it's I don't think he got did. Lucky. So he must have gotten lucky. And if it was just like a did he like dislocate? I don't know. I really, truly don't know. I, I can't. I can't assume too much here because I'd have to take a deeper look into it because I um, thought I understood what was going on. But to be honest with y'all, I don't. Th- I think A is a bad take by Tide. I can see the argument for B. I think, I think, yes, I'm serious. I think A is a horrible take because no, how can you, you give this position group an A whenever our run game is getting zero oh. holes to run up? I, yeah. I, so I must have been confused because I, I was, yeah, I, I must have been confused because I, I was thinking that the O line, I was thinking that the running backs were the ones that ran the ball, but it must be the, must be the O line. Well, it, it both have been bad, and offensive line can have you know strengths in passing block, pass blocking, but also they can have weaknesses in the run blocking scheme. And I think that's what we've seen this season. And why I'm actually convinced to think that this offensive line group is a group that has a 79.2, and they're begging to their teacher to round them up. And I'm not going to give them the 80 and the B because it's a 79.2. Tough luck. It should have been a 79.5 because. They haven't shown me a lot this season to be optimistic about. Plus, there's a couple of injuries in that I am not sure about how it's going to change the outlook of this team. You know, at the tackles, yeah, I could see them be like a higher B. Walter Rouse has been good, and Tyler Guyton has been good. You could even convince me for an A of the tackles. But yeah, the interior, the, the guards, you know, uh-uh, no. They didn't play good to begin with. At the beginning of the season, Savion Bird, I don't know what's going on. We assume it was a concussion, but I don't know if there's some kind of, you know, off the field slash character thing that we've talked about that's holding him away, um, away from playing right now. Because I really don't understand what's happening with him and why he isn't um, into that guard position. Um, you know, Matire, if he does truly come back, I will give them a B if that's a true prognosis for his injury, but I just am worried that, you know, you know, Caden green is a true freshman. He's shown great things for this offensive line, but he's a true freshman. He still has a lot to learn and he will get beat making freshman mistakes. And that is going to be a tough time for us. You know, on the other side, who's going to be the guard Troy Everett does some okay things, but he gets bodied whenever he plays big time competition. I, I don't want him blocking if we have to play Georgia in the semifinals or have to play, you know, I don't know, Washington's defensive line group. You know, he's going to get bodied by bigger time opponents. I, I'm just worried about the guards to where I could give them an A or a B. I'm going to say a high C. So if I gave them a C, Bobby gave them a B, I gave them an A, we can bump them up to B on average. Yeah, I think I think it's a fair B average. Okay, yeah. that's fine. And Ty, you want to talk about running backs now, right? Got got it. That, I that don't know. I mean, we got it. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and relay that start. on down. 
Where's the uh, where's the F tier? What's the letter that the, comes the after tier? F in the alphabet? I, I don't know uh, what comes after F because I went look, to look, a U, there, but where's our problem? There lower than that. If there was an F, the, yeah, if there was an F, the Redding Max would be right next to uh, the special. Put him down in the there. in the tornado yeah. shell. Send, send him to D. Send him to D. The, the running back room the running back room has been a total disappointment. Um, that's not a secret. That's not a surprise. We we've basically given up on them as a unit. I, mm -hmm. I think you can kind of tell from Jeff Levy. Um, just not running. You just, it was strictly running Dylan Gabriel as the biggest run threat, which you know has, has been effective. But I mean, Marcus Major as your feature back has been uninspiring. Um, the the mystery of what happened to Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk is just a, a huge, huge bummer, huge disappointment. Um, and to Wee Walker, I I think has been good, but not feature back good. Mm -hmm. Um. He should get all of the carries, but let's just be honest. The guy is just kind of, you know, he, he's a one note type of running back. Uh, and I appreciate him. I like I like him for what he does, but he's not. If he's your not, best he's not running an RB back, one. you're screwed. He's on RB1. He, he, he is a cutting great bowling ball of a of a you know running back, but he's not an RB1. Um, so ultimately, yeah, just incredibly disappointed in this position group. I have no idea what the hell happened here. But it's it's a D to say the least. I, I do want to put some sort of points on it. One, and this is not a bit, right? This is you can go and look at the stats <laughs> and verify this. Okay, Jeff Levy literally does not understand what to do with running backs. He's never been at a system or coached a system where he's been a decision maker where they've had like good running back play. It's just he literally does not understand. Like he's not full spectrum. He understands the quarterbacks and like passing play calls, but like, you know, not, we're not going to give Lincoln Riley any credit this week, but you know, like Lincoln Riley understand, understood at least at OU pretty well, like balancing it out 50, 50 run pass, really effective running back play. Obviously personnel have something to do with it, but you know, we touched on the line. I don't think the line is the best at, at run protection. I don't think our offensive coordinator really understands how to, utilize running backs to the maximum. And then the sport is just kind of shifting away from really big feature backs. So I think, you know, you can't put it a hundred percent on the players. We're not going to sit here and act like Colorado's coaches in about a month when they say everything is the player's fault. Um, it's not a hundred percent on them, although it's like 97% on them. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know about the, I, mean, I guess he hasn't had a star running back. Um, Jerry and Ely, I feel like was pretty good for Ole Miss whenever he was there, but like, you know, that's, I feel like I'm really trying to scrum through the trash to find something there. So I kind of had a couple, he had a couple saying. decent guys at Baylor, but no stars really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think, you know, running backs at D there's just no argument for it. The, I understand in terms of like, if we we're making this tier between the nation, obviously we have some better running backs than schools, you know, I don't know. Let's, for example, I feel better about my running back room than I feel about, I'm trying to think of a good team here without really insulting the university of Oklahoma, BYU, <laughs> screw it. Like I feel better about our running back room than BYU's. Um, but that's not saying much. Well, so, how about like right. like Notre Dame? How do you feel about it? No, Notre, Notre Dame's got a great running back. Estimate room. is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they've got a very good running back room. Like they're one of the better. 
So yeah. I all in all, I don't think there's really much much to talk about here. And to be honest, if you're talking about optimism and talking about ceilings from this running back room, obviously there's only up from here. There really is not a lot of down or farther down they can go. Um, but I, I just don't foresee this offense having a breakout running back, you know, second half of the season. It's I, I think that, like you guys said, Jeff Levy is going to scheme his offense around to give the Dylan Gabriel the ball more and try to be a little bit more creative to where it isn't a one-dimensional offense where it's just only Dylan Gabriel dropping back to pass, hopefully getting guys in motion, doing some RPOs to really like make Dylan Gabriel the highlight of it, but also not make it where the defense can just play back and wait for him to throw um, to like his spots, you know? So I, I think we can move on and let's, let's go. We got two groups left. Um, we got cornerbacks, and we got uh, wide receivers. I think we should leave wide receivers for the end because I think that's the most fun group to talk about. Cornerbacks. Um, cornerbacks is a really difficult room to talk about because I feel like they've done A tier grade. I feel like I've been really, really impressed with them. But the average Oklahoma fan and some announcers are going to be like, oh, you know, Gentry Williams has been, has been absolutely amazing. He's been the best cornerback for Oklahoma. It's absolutely not the case. Woody Washington's been absolutely Yep, he's just a lockdown guy. He's so good, and having him as that cornerstone of our defense right now in the in, in the secondary has been so crucial to allow our safeties to go out there and make plays. Whenever you have a, a corner that can go out on an island and shut down the other number one team's wide receivers, that's why Billy Bowman can come down full steam and hit the tight end, and we get it, and we can get an interception. That's why Key Lawrence can play the middle of the field and cut over to the outside and get an interception. You know, like we are unlocking so many parts of our defense by having a cornerback that can actually stay with the guy. How many times in our past have we had cornerbacks that get burned immediately and it completely tears down our whole defense? It's happened. Zach Sanchez. Well, well, yes, that's a different thing. He was just too aggressive. I feel like of, of the cornerbacks in recent times, Zach, he's not the one to. He, yeah, he no, had his no. issues. Just... He, he, he gambled way too much, but he, yeah. 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 We, we've, we've had, we've had yeah. our deficiencies. Woody Washington, give him more praise. We are not talking about him a lot because teams are avoiding him that much. And right. Gentry Williams is also reaping the benefits on the other side as well. I would like to say this type, sometimes being the cornerback two actually makes it a little bit more advantageous than being the cornerback one, because he can go and shut down the wide receiver one on the other side and the quarterback won't look at cb1 as much as cb2 so yeah, yeah. that's why gentry williams is probably getting more interceptions what do you what do you think about that ty no so i actually I, I can't tell if you're trying to just like appropriate my bit to make fun of it or because it's i think it's accurate look here's what no, I it, is an, it is an accurate I, take. I think I you're i think you're 100 right yeah the best like if you play a perfect game as a cornerback against a quarterback who also doesn't make a ton of mistakes, your stat line does not look good because the ball just never comes your way. And I think that's kind of like, I, if that's what you're saying, I agree with that take. If you are just locked down and you're, you know, covering, covering guys, not grass, and you're just locked down on, on your guy and you have a quarterback who is a good quarterback and can read that you're just never going to get targets towards the person that you're covering. And, and I think, if you're saying it's good to be a cornerback too in this, you know, your little bit of a segment, I, I think that's right. 
because you're the one who the quarterback gets the throws to and your stat line might look better. You might have more interceptions. Obviously baiting people into interceptions is, is a bit of a skill on the secondary, but yeah, I think absolutely, you know, obviously tackles, there's a whole lot else that, that goes into that, but I like the cornerbacks. I mean, I, if you have to put their floor at an a, um, you know, I could maybe hear arguments for us, but I, I agree wholeheartedly uh, with everything that you said, Jameson, and about the specific people um, that you said about. I think I think Woody Washington is CB one on this team, and I think he is underappreciated by the you know people who aren't watching OU games day in and day out because they just do that you know pull up the stats, sort by cornerbacks, and just see who's the highest um, you know in certain stat areas. And I don't think that tells the whole story when it comes to cornerbacks. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I'm fully in on Woody Washington. I think it's trending ass, you know, and you know, it's fitting that his name's Woody because quarterbacks, you know, they don't want to play with him anymore uh, because <laughs> I've been, I've been married. I've been sitting on that one. I'm like, I'm about I to knew, just drop. I knew, I knew Bobby had that one waiting. That's I'm amazing. About to, I'm about to drop like the corniest joke ever on this. I'm so ready. Um, yeah. Just, just sitting over here. Just dying. Oh well. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, bro. They're lost. <laughs> They're lost. They're lost. Uh, but no, I, I mean, look, y- y'all covered it pretty good there because look, Woody Washington, he he slept on because you never hear his name because he does his job right. That's the perfect thing you can do as a corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, you know, he he has them on an island. They're stuck. It's it's truly wonderful. And you know, I, I mean, I, am I. It might be bold to say that they're they're S. That might be a little too bold. I, I think I it's could, close. I would be. I, I I'll put it this way: it's an A right now. I think it'll be an S by the end of the season. Um, just just because I th- I feel like Gentry Williams, you know, has been kind of developing. He's been growing, and I think he'll grow into like an S tier type of guy um, by the end of the year. Woody Washington, though, is he's remarkable, game changer, just. By do, doing his job, never hearing about him, uh, but uh, truly an unsung hero for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I have it as an A, but I, I could I could see any arguments for C there, or for sorry for S. Ooh, oh, okay. Definitely not C. Definitely not C. But uh, yeah, yeah. Here here's the thing because I I don't think they'd be an S because in the Texas game, whenever Gentry was hurt, and obviously Kenai Walker's been out for a little bit. Uh, we had to put Key Lawrence in at the cornerback position. So in terms of depth, that made me worry a little bit. I've really liked what Kendall Dolby has done, um, but if Kenai Walker was healthy and he was playing like he did at the beginning of the season, I could listen more to your ass conversation. Right now, yeah. I, I'm just a little bit worried about our depth at that position. Um, but um, I think right. Kendall Dolby has been a nice surprise for us. And obviously, like I want to like Josiah Wagner um, getting all the hype in the preseason – um, and not really doing anything this season also due to injury um, has been a disappointment. But our top-tier guys with Woody and Gentry are A's. There's no doubt about it. I think, you know, my sort of cap on the, the cornerback discussion would be I would put them, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of swayed by Bobby's argument as well. I, I would almost put them as, and I think this is the, the ceiling, this is a pretty – you know, generous interpretation of their play, but I would sort of put them as that demarcation point between um, A and S if I had to. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think the linebackers. I, I, think I forgot we play. I forgot we had the linebackers today. I, I think linebackers and cornerbacks are pretty similar in my head. Yeah, I think they're pretty similar. 
Uh, I think um, Danny Stutzman better than Woody Washington, but it's close. I yeah. think Gentry Williams better than Jaron Canick. It's not as close. Um, so what? One's just way louder than the other, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, linebackers. Yeah, much, you, you much know about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. final position group: wide receivers. Um, and I feel like this is going to be a really good, interesting topic that we'll have some back and forth on before the Andrew Anthony season ending injury. Put them at an A. It'd be a huge jump for them. I think they're at a B right now because I still feel like there's a lot to prove. Jalil Farouk has been hot and cold. He's shown some great things. He's a really, really good player. Just need to see a little bit more consistency from him. Drake Stoops, great start to the season. Isn't as statistically dominant as I thought he was going to be this season, but he's still been great. You know, Gavin Freeman, also, I feel like I was expecting a lot more from him. Um, he hasn't done as much from my perspective these past couple games. Um, but we have gotten some guys that we were big on in the preseason that are actually showing out. Nick Anderson, obviously, is the guy that everyone wants to talk about, and everyone's going to continue to hype him up as like this next huge guy. I think he is that, but let's remember, guys, that he had one reception for one yard in the Texas game. He got the one. He got the big pass. But let's remember, one reception, one yard. He's always been a guy that this season where he's just taking everything into the end zone for a touchdown. But in terms of volume, we're not there yet. I think this is now his opportunity with Andrew Anthony coming off this bye week. Hopefully he can solidify himself there. But to be honest with you, I still wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see, you know, like Jalil Farouk, six catches, and then Nick Anderson, three catches, Jaden Gibson, two catches, Gavin Freeman, three catches, Drake Stoops, five catches, and just not have like a guy who's going out there getting eight to nine catches a week. So I, I see your argument. I I had him at an S before uh, the Andrew Anthony injury. I'm trending towards the A right now just because of lack of depth or like a little loss of depth depth there. And here, here's the thing. I, I think you're looking at it as each individual receiver, which is, I think, a fair way to look at it. I'm looking at it as a whole unit. I love how this team can, you know, have moments where sometimes you have a, a player go all the way off. And then other times, you know, he might not go off, but somebody else steps up. And that complimentary style of the room, I think, to me, it elevates it. Um, it, it. It's fair to say, you know, oh, yeah, they're not getting the volume, that sort of thing. But it, it all works within itself. And it's, to me, I, I, I think I think it's an A. I, I'm going to go with an A just because I want to see what happens now that you, you've lost a major, major piece at Andrew Anthony, uh, someone who I would go as far as call, you know, essentially the newcomer of the year on offense. Um, regardless of what happens the remainder of the season, I suppose. Um, but it's just, he's been, he, he, that's a big loss. Um, but this team has shown that, and this unit has shown that it can bounce back and be resilient and, you know, cover each other when the others are down. So overall, I have that as an A, I have that as a, as a very, very strong point. Uh, what Emmett Jones has done in less than a year is unreal gotta give the man his flowers uh that was a massive upgrade at, at coach if you ask me so um yeah I, I i like the i like the wide outs put them at a i think they're an s wow I, I think i think as you know to to use a bit of bobby's justification I, I think if you evaluated them from my perspective if you evaluated them player by player by player by player i you know if I use Jameson's methodology, I come to the same conclusion 
that uh, that Jameson did, more or less. If I look at them as a group, like Bobby just touched on, when one guy isn't clicking or one style isn't clicking or something like that, other ones step up. And I think any arguments that you can make towards, well, we haven't really seen this in regards to to certain things, um, it's just because that piece doesn't fit into the offense. You know, super, super long, super deep, catching the ball in stride because that's kind of been the key to, to OU developing this a bit more of a deep ball threat, but those big deep bombs where you're catching, you know, a pass that's 50 yards in the air and stride and something like that. And being able to repeat that game after game, because you have like a Hollywood Brown who can make that happen. Uh, we're not seeing, but I, I feel like if we had that talent, we still wouldn't really necessarily be seeing it that much. So I think if you look at this OU team and what we need, and then the ability to where no matter what someone in that room is producing no matter how the game is going it fits someone's play style they are all so complementary you have the old experience with you know like drake stoops you have the young future with nick anderson you have guys who fit into really you know speedy really weird systems like gavin freeman is utilized sometimes you know obviously andrew anthony a big blow to to this room and to this team and obviously we we hope that he recovers very quickly but you have people that stepped up. I mean, we saw absolute S from them um, at some moments during during the game against Texas. And I know I didn't do it for other rooms, but I think they have absolutely carried us. I think the fact that people understand that we don't have a real credible run threat outside of Gabriel, you know, sneaking or the play devolving is putting a lot more pressure on these receivers than there would be if we had, you know, a, a really, really credible run threat back there, I think if we had a very serious run threat, we would see some pretty outlandish stats from these receivers. But I feel like there's a lot of things stacked against them, um, and I can't fault them for it. So I'm not uncomfortable with A. I understand I'm being, you know, generous in my interpretation, but I, I want to give them the shout out for the for the S argument. That that's impressive, honestly. So I have them at a B. Ty has them at an S. Bobby has them as an A. So that averages out to an A. Uh, I That's some high praise for the wide receiver room. And I really do agree with you, Ty, that if the running back room was a little bit more dominant, I feel like we'd see even more out of this wide receiver room. So um, I feel like they have a lot more to go. So I think an A is honestly a kind of good compromise here because if we could unlock something in the run game, if we could, I understand that's a lot to ask. Maybe we might see even better performance for them for the rest of the season. Impressive, but room for improvement, I think, mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the full – you wanted to write out, like, a teacher summary of that. That's what you would say. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And A's still good. A's still very, A's very good. good. So, so no, let, no, me just, is, yeah. let me just talk about all of these and where they were preseason and where they are now for the people um, watching on YouTube and also listening on podcasts. So, at the S position, we have the quarterbacks. They were a B in Ty and I's mind in the preseason, now an S. The safeties, they are at an S, and we had them as an A. They were the highest-ranked position group in our preseason rankings. At the A group, we have linebackers. They were a B in the um, preseason. Also, cornerbacks from an A, or they're now an A. They're a B. The wide receiver group, they were a C, and now they're an A. We didn't really know what we had, and it seems like we're starting to see it. So at the B tier, we have defensive linemen. Defensive linemen were a B, and they sit right there. They stand pat. 
Offensive line, they're currently at a B. They were at a C. And then at the C position, we have nobody. At D, tight ends. Congratulations, tight ends. You've moved down from B somehow to a D. And then <laughs> the running backs, you guys are a D. And you were somehow at a B because we were really optimistic about such. But, but I understand the running backs a little bit more than. Yes, than the I understand it too. Yeah, we were hyped. We had yeah. young running backs yeah. that came in with different skill sets that I thought were going to be like, you know, a huge part of our offense. We thought the running backs were better than our wide receivers. Now we're talking about S's and A's for the wide receivers and the running backs. We barely even talked about them. Yeah, you, you you thought you were getting like this like plethora of you know really cool dynamic stuff, and instead you just got you just got toast as a running back, which is Marcus Major uh, falls apart. He's the he's the Dallas Cowboys of running backs. It's always always next year. Next year will be the year. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, that was that was fun. I I, I love doing the tier list, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see where we end up at the end of the season because I'm sure we'll bring this back up uh as as usual but yeah great great work as always uh on that one um so yeah i guess now we gotta let's talk about this football game we have ahead of us guys um so ou's first ever appearance uh against ucf sorry central florida um the golden the golden knights um zero zero record ever against them um and speaking of zeros central florida owen three in big 12 play uh as as a member so they are looking for their first win on the road in norman here uh also coming off of a bye week um look this ccf team i think we were kind of we thought they'd be better than this i, I don't I, some some people in the national media had them like as a big 12 contender we weren't that high on them but we didn't expect this i i don't think yeah i was waiting for ty to hop in here sorry i'm trying to fix some things um no. that's totally good <laughs> now this ucf team was a team that we were a little bit higher on than most people um in the preseason and we had our different reasons for it and i feel like i believed in this offense and it seems like things have really started to fall apart and i'm not quite sure what's going on I feel like that I saw some things that, that were good in their first Big 12 game versus K-State. I saw some things that, like, you know what? They don't have John Rice Plumley, and some people might say that's a good thing. Some people might say that's a bad thing. But I still saw some things. And then whenever they go the next game, they blow that lead to Baylor. That I feel like that it just completely unraveled everything. 26 points allowed in the fourth quarter to zero points for UCF was a big, big deal for them. And ever since then, I just don't know what to put um I don't, I don't know what to figure it out because that Kansas game was ugly. Absolutely ugly. You'll see like, oh, 22-51, that's a blowout. It was even worse than that. It was absolutely worse than that. Uh, miserable, miserable game. This defense for UCF is not good. It's going to be an absolute boat race of a game in Norman on Saturday. Bobby, do you have anything about their football team? Oh, Ty is um, just chomping at the Ty, bit. Ty has, been, Ty has been prepping for this for a while, and I'm excited to dive well, into this conversation. Let's talk about let's do let's do a little back and forth about Plumlee versus McLean because right. I feel like that's going to be a big question. If you look right now and you're trying to figure out which quarterback we're going to get um, out of UCF, I, I I can't tell you. I truly can't because you know John Rice Plumlee is still coming off that knee injury. 
gets benched in the game versus Kansas. Timmy McLean comes in, and Timmy McLean has looked good this season. He's shown some things. He's aggressive, and he was the one. He's the reason they got 22 points in that in that second half. UCF scored zero points versus Kansas the first half, and we know Kansas's defense is not something to brag about. Their right. offense is electric. They allowed zero points from UCF in the first half with John Rice Plumley at the helm. It's as simple as that. I don't think John Rice Plumley should be the quarterback for them on Saturday, even if he is healthy. Right. He 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 just isn't the guy. Um, and I I tend to agree with uh, with Blake on this. You know, frankly, that he's just not. He's not. He's not very dynamic. He's not very good. I this UCF offense is is just really, really, really poor. Um, I think you know, as you were saying with Kansas, you know, they're always. I feel like they kind of have been following the script. You know, when they ha- are using Bean, where they get off to a big start and then they slow down. They they kind of run out of steam at the end. Um, that. Uh, that Kansas team is not as good as that, as that, that score was awful. That game was awful and getting beat that bad by that Kansas team that we've seen struggle, you know, obviously in Austin against a very good Texas team in Stillwater against a probably not great Oklahoma state team. Um, that raises a billion red flags. And then obviously blowing it to, to a Baylor team that offensively has been a disaster. Um, the bears, just, just in general, I, I, I don't have any faith in the Central Florida football team, and I know they have legions of of people because they're a commuter school, and you know they graduate a billion people, but and they probably might. I don't know if they're if they're mad about this yet or would be mad about this. They they should know the football team they have right now. It's just not very good. Um, so I, I'll say this. I, I think they, I think the smart thing is to sit Plumley. They probably won't, um, but yeah, I, I, you got You got to go with the more dynamic quarterback that can actually, you know, put something up against just anybody. Um, I don't know if I don't know if McLean is good enough to do that against Oklahoma. I I would trend to say no. He'll make some What's plays. That? He'll make He'll some, make some plays. plays. Well, yeah, like. Everyone makes some plays. I think he's a playmaker. Like, yeah. He'll he'll make some turnovers too. That's for sure, especially with our defense. Yeah, that's. I could see that. I, I just. I, I I think Central Florida is just really not, not in a good place here. Not this year. Yeah, I think Ty doesn't even want to talk about this football team. He only wants <laughs> to talk about one thing. Ty, no, um, like there's really there's there's two big important names. I think that OU is going to have. You know, I could pick several more because unlike Central Florida, uh, I have a, a list of names to pick from. But, you know, Shannon Lucid comes to mind, one of the first or in the first class of female astronauts ever selected by uh, NASA, obviously an OU grad. Uh, Fred Heiss, Apollo 13 astronaut, also holds the record for the farthest that a human has ever traveled from Earth. Owen oh, Garrett, you know, there's so many that I could name astronauts that have actually attended the University of Oklahoma. Central Florida, um, I don't think, has ever produced an astronaut. And they, you know, they're nowhere near the list of top schools that produce astronauts. That is, of course, the Naval Academy. Uh, Bobby and I broke this down one year, uh, last year when Navy unveiled their NASA uniforms because Navy produced, has produced the most astronauts of any university. And then if you encompass, you know, the Navy and the Marine Corps, 
uh, that the Naval Academy represents, it's not even close, the number of astronauts that come from the Naval Service compared to any other university. Obviously, excluding the service academies, you have Purdue, Texas, uh, have all produced astronauts who have even been to the moon, uh, obviously with Fred, OU alum. Um, you know, there's so many things I could say. Central Florida fans will then say, oh, well, Central Florida was established to help provide technical expertise because they wanted a community college by the Kennedy Space Center, blah, 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 blah. There are so many other schools that produce more NASA employees that are not astronauts than Central Florida. The number one school for producing uh, NASA employees is the University of Houston, which is uh, kind of crazy, but then you think about it, where does NASA actually have their operations? They don't say, Orlando, I have a problem. They say, Houston, I have a problem, because that's where the actual operations people are. The University of Maryland, apparently very, very high on that list. I dug into these stats. The Ivy Leagues, MIT, Caltech, Berkeley, all of those, very high on the list, but there is a lot of competition now. You can work for the space industry and not make government wages. So apparently a little bit less popular, according to, to uh, like, MIT on Reddit, as I was doing my research, a lot of them like to go work for the private companies now. But to the best of my knowledge, Central Florida is not producing NASA employees at any real rate. They'll, of course, say, oh, well, my you know, fraternity brother is so-and-so because there's a million people that go to Central Florida. Obviously, a handful are bound to work at NASA. But there is absolutely no basis for any claim for them to be space university in any way. And then they, again, they'll fall back on this whole, we were founded to support NASA. It was a ploy by the, like the state government of Florida just wanted to put a college that they could control by there. Their whole thing was shoot for the stars. NASA, of course, will host like job fairs and everything else because they need people. I saw someone on, and this is absurd, I saw someone on, on uh, social media the other day was saying, oh, well, Central Florida is still Space University. Not everyone associated with NASA is an astronaut. Haven't you ever heard of um, <laughs> what I, I forget what they call it, but the women who did like a bunch of the calculations and stuff for, for NASA in the 60s? None of them went to Central Florida. That's like, that's just <laughs> ridiculous that they would claim that. So it, it's just, it's absolutely absurd. These people are delusional. They have like location bias, but just for a government entity. It would be like, the University of Virginia just declaring themselves FBI University because they're closest to the FBI's headquarters and then making uniforms for that. It's so absolutely absurd. I don't know where the IRS is headquartered, but someone should do IRS-themed uniforms uh, because they're the closest to, to the IRS headquarters building or something like that. It, oh. it, like it, does not, it does not make sense. OU produces more astronauts, more people contributing to you know, space, space exploration and anything else than UCF does, even though Central Florida gets like a bazillion at bats. It's absolutely crazy. These people are mentally ill. And what does Whoa. Carolina Blue have to do with space? That's true. It's the sky, apparently. It is a, it's a cool looking uniform from a design standpoint. It is a cool looking uniform. But, oh, it's sky colored. That tells you everything you need to know. They don't know that space is not sky colored because they've never been there. <laughs> that was incredible. This Everything I wanted for. Um, and here's the thing too: like it would be, it is kind of funny. You could, OU would be like, could you be like National Weather Service? You, but that's a little, at a little least it's fun. on campus. Yeah, that's true. Like that's you could true. at least have an argument for that. 
And yeah. that would be like a, a college team in Tulsa naming themselves the Hurricanes because the National Weather Service is also in Oklahoma. It'd be that level of, of absurdity. Do we know the story of why Tulsa is called the Hurricanes? I read it somewhere. It was it was something like it, I think the, it was I think they wanted to be the tornadoes, but they realized like that was probably a little off putting. So it's it's like a it's a I think it's just like a big dust storm. It's not it's not but they but they farther away. Calling well cyclones maybe. I I calling yourself big dust storm would not be cyclones is a sick kind of fun for a team. The dust storm. The Tulsa storm. Uh I I'm I'm gonna look that up. I, I have to know. I have to know the yes, solid. I feel like that's something that you definitely know. But yes, thank you, Ty. We needed this because it's been a long time coming to finally just put it down in stone of UCF being the biggest fraud of a space U program. I I got I, I you know what? I'm gonna have to look it up right now while Bobby's looking at that, Jameson. You're gonna have to eat some time, but oh, I, I can I've been looking at stuff too. I'm almost certain that Texas State has produced an astronaut. Bro, look oh, at, man, look at this! Look, at this, look at this Tulsa mascot. What is that? That looks like a tater tot. <laughs> okay, for oh, people listening to podcast form, this is this the history of Tulsa's mascots. If you guys are curious, go look at 1977 Tulsa mascot called Herc H U R C, the Golden <laughs> Hurricane. He legitimately looks like there's a giant tater tot on his head. This looks so bad. Okay, Uh-oh. and then they added Huffy. He's under attack in 1987, uh, but he finds a friend in Captain Kane in 1988. This is great. I love these oh, mascot man. fan pages. Oh my goodness. Oh geez, this is yeah. It, it just great. got worse. See, I, I this golden hurricane. It's too golden. Like it looks like a tater tot. Oh, and then they have this. Oh no, they, they made him the, Captain. They, they have the knockoff Captain America. Captain, oh, that's I don't gross. Know. Worst, and then, worst Avenger. Oh, oh, and then Gus T. I, I saw Gus T. in person. Yeah, Gus T. is pretty cool. I like that. I love he's his got eyes. The, got the quagmire chin. Yes, he's, yes. He, he looks like he's done a lot of cocaine, though. But um, <laughs> his so pupils are I did, ginormous. Yeah, I, I did misspeak. At Texas State, um, I don't know why I thought they would have produced an astronaut. They did not. It's uh, okay. Did it produce... Yeah. Did it produce yeah, why would you think that? And, um, and a woman who was a contestant on Big Brother 15 uh, really? was kicked off for uh, numerous very problematic statements and potential threats. Wow, so I didn't know about this. I need to look this up as noted Big Brother. UCF fans. level, though. Central Florida level alumni, except Texas State produced a president. Central but, Florida, um, I know they've had somebody kicked off a reality show. I'm, I'm certain of that, but. One of my favorite tweets from the weekend with Texas State was the the guy from the Loco Boco con, uh, uh, podcast saying, "Guys, please stop fighting in the concourse. Be better than that." And the first reply was someone named Omar replying, "No." <laughs> what are what is going on at St. Marcus? Why are people just fighting each other in the concourse? It's I I don't understand. That was kind of an ugly game, though. I tried to watch as much as I can, but they they somehow won. First ULM yeah. after being like a sixteen point mm-hmm. favorite only by one. Central point. Florida but fans. We've got we've gone right off. We've got to love this right now. Yes, this is exactly. I do need to address something because Central Florida fans might come at me for this. They're going to claim that they produced two astronauts. Is not true because one of the astronauts that they claim uh, went to Arizona, and then the other one went to. Uh, would you look at that? Embry Riddle 
which is also right next to NASA and is an actual aeronautical university that's respected. So um, I don't know why they would claim an in-town rival as, as one of their alums, just because I guess participated mm -hmm. in part of a, a graduate show. But yeah, like Central Florida, to their credit, uh, has someone who uh, once was a part-time host on a golf channel show. And then it uh, looks like someone competed on whatever X factor is. And uh, yeah, plenty of, plenty of very notable, very well-respected um, alumni of reality TV have attended Central Florida. So, And big, that big is your Central Florida preview. I was going to say big shout out, to, shout out to Embry-Riddle. Definitely do have a lot of aerospace engineers. I was at, actually at uh, that graduation. Uh, shout out to the one person at Embry-Riddle who, who went to Embry-Riddle and got a communications degree. They they said just one just one person. It was great. Uh, they said what? I, I I don't know why they would do that, but good for them. Um, yeah, cool school, nice stuff. Definitely more space U than UCF. UCF, or sorry, Central Florida, not not space U. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there we go. Well, that's that's our UCF preview. Woo! I guess we know Aren't things about the quarterback position of UCF I, slash Central Florida. Sur surface level knowledge of, of central florida but yeah i don't know it, it should be fun i always like seeing new teams uh, it's always kind of cool you know um should be a really cool environment even though it is 11 a.m for some god who knows reason um uh but you know a lot of people coming in homecoming all that good stuff oh it feels like it feels like a game that oh you could break out the unity uniforms for you know those is gray so you never know but Anyways, let's just wrap this pod up. We're, this pod has gone off the rails. It, it is sputtered. It is it is floating in space. So let's just go ahead and let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, we appreciate all of your views, uh, especially those uh, joining us live on this Sunday night. Always appreciate it. Um, if, you, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a like as well on YouTube. And if you're listening the next day, make sure to rate us five stars on your favorite podcasting app. If you really did like it, if you didn't, then just, I don't know, turn off the podcast. If you didn't, then why are you still listening, for one? That's kind of surprising, like, yeah, that you would subject yourself to a bad podcast for this long. Uh, but anyways. Not a bad podcast. We're great. We're five-star men. We're a great podcast. We're a great podcast. Um, but hypothetically, if you didn't like it, then, you know, what are you doing? No, um, hypotheticals. No hypothetics. All right. Well, so that is all we have for OU UCF. You can find our picks to this game coming up uh, live on Wednesday for the weekend spread, as we always do, 7.30 p.m. Central. Uh, we'll bring in Boat and Blake, as we always do, to go through all those. Um, you know, not, a, not an eventful weekend. Not like anything happened uh, in that, you know, that, that slate. Nothing remarkable. Ugh. Nothing, ex nothing, ex nothing exciting. Um, no, no hey, did you guys voice. know that UCF gave an honorary degree to Bill Clinton? So they actually claim having a president alumni. It's absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Oh yeah, uh, what I'm finding good. on their on their Wikipedia. If you continue to give me prompts, I have plenty of ammunition for anti-Central Florida stuff. <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> you, UCF claiming claiming a president. I mean, they, they just claim stuff that isn't theirs. Their or... their famous alumni page is just full of them listing current current or past central florida professors and administrators that's Ugh. yeah it's that's that's sad that's sad but 
Um, all right. For me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. Um, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you back here next Sunday when we recap UCF way more in depth than the preview. And then uh, preview, um, is it Kansas next? Who do we got next after this? It's, it's KU, right? No idea. Yeah, geez. Yes, I, Kansas. At Kansas. Oh, that's correct. At and Kansas. then Bedlam. I know Bedlam's after Bethlehem. that. And then it will, I, I, hey, I'll, I'll get to see the Bean Man in person. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm returning to face my demons in Lawrence. We'll talk all about that. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, anyways, Jameson needs to go to bed. So do we. Have a good one, everyone. Boomer Sooner. Thanks again for watching.